0: This is Football Social Daily the Premier League Podcast This is Football Social Daily, your award-winning Premier League podcast. Two of the top teams in the country couldn't be separated. Manchester City won, Liverpool won. Was it a damp squib, or is that an indication of just how close the Premier League title race will be this season? And speaking of the Premier League title race, are Spurs still in it? Three defeats in a row now for Big Ange. Is his stubbornness, his Achilles heel... We'll talk about that on today's show. We'll also talk about a glorious goal from Garnacho. Are we overreacting about Aaron Ramsdale as he's reinstalled in the Arsenal goal? And we'll do our customary Monday moan with Get In The Sea, where we'll get some of the weekend's gripes off of our chest. Welcome along to the podcast. My name's Niall and joining me today, Newcastle fan Marley Anderson and the man who can sing like Michael Bublé, dance like Michael Jackson and the man who claims he's not seen a spectacular goal in the Premier League for ages (laughs) until...
1: Yesterday, Joel Tudor. How you doing, boys? Honestly, can you believe that? Really? Can you believe the the depths that I went to on that episode on Thursday saying, I'm not seeing a great goal in the Premier League in ages? And then Garnaccio pulls out probably the Puskas Award... Goal of the season.
0: (laughs) Yeah, if this is the first time you've listened to Football Social Daily, Joel last week was basically talking about this article that he found in the Telegraph. Marley was first off stunned that Joel even reads the Telegraph. (laughs) 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 But he found an article that said, maybe there's a lack of spectacular goals scored in the Premier League. Well... I don't think you can deny that the Alejandro-Garnacho strike was a special one. Right, let's start where we always start on a Monday, which is with getting the sea. So I'm actually going to get straight into it. Garnacho's goal was special. Brilliant for an 18-year-old kid. I mean, you can tell that he's kind of trying to channel his inner Cristiano. He did the sea celebration. And he did that thing where he kind of has that look of arrogance on his face about the goal that he scored. But a brilliant strike, technically very, very gifted. But why do we have this insistence, lads, that as soon as a great goal is scored, there is always an instant comparison. Garnacho scores an amazing overhead kick for Manchester United. But was it as good as Wayne Rooney's? (laughs) Was it as good as Trevor Sinclair's, Gareth Bale's or Cristiano Ronaldo's? Why can't we just enjoy the goal for a few days before then we try and make one better than the other? We've had this for years in football now where you can say Messi's a fantastic player. Well, he's not as good as Ronaldo, though, is he? This is the thing that frustrates me. Why can't we just let the spectacular goals that we don't see any of, Joel, (laughs) be spectacular goals for once? We don't need to compare Garnachos with Rooney's, do we?
1: To be fair... I can understand this one because Garnachos and Rooney's actually were identical in terms of the position that they were in oh, and where were. it's gone. Hey? Took a deflection, Roonies.
2: uh the cross, which made him think about the bicycle kick.
1: And so, they're both bicycle kicks, are they not? Oh, so well bicycle <laughs> you've just said, <laughs> you've just
2: said that they're exactly the same. Yeah, I've, the went- bicycle- I've went about, apart from the fact that they're different, you've gone...
1: Yeah, but they're all the same. The, the bicycle kicks the position uh, in a way. So, so the you're the doing same. exactly
0: what I don't like, which is trying to decide which one's better than the other. No, I'm not. I'm just pointing out that Jules went, they're all the same, but they're not the same. No, they're not. Uh, I didn't
1: say they're not all the same. Rooney's and uh, and are the same They're both the great goals. Position.
0: That's the point I'm trying to make.
1: All I'm saying is they were both similar positions in the oh, way you so. which they yeah, in. Yeah, they're the both unbelievable. come down to but similar I mean, now. But, <laughs> oh my God. What, <laughs> what, what angle on. are you even coming from? There's going to be a pig to edit this show already, I can tell you if we're going to compare the two, it's hard to even compare the two anyway because then everyone brings in the context. Well, because he scored in a derby, it means that it was better than his. I agree with you. You need to just let the goal be the goal. I mean, Lady Gaga, you guys like Lady Gaga?
0: Where's this going? Me and Marley are old enough to remember when Lady Gaga first exploded onto the scene, a Michael Richards. Yeah, <laughs> when she wasn't
1: weird, yeah. <laughs> do, you remember, do you remember the song? Don't, call my name, don't Alejandro, Alejandro. come don't come Yes, Alejandro.
0: That's, there he goes, there's that, that Michael Bublé vocal Oh, I see, I see, that's <laughs> going to come across beautifully. Obviously. How do we sack Joel off the
2: pod?
1: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, amazing goal, probably the goal of the season. And you know what, it doesn't even contradict my argument last week because at Manchester United we do things differently. No,
0: my worst. Oh, okay, that's what? enough
1: from you, that's enough from you. p is <laughs> getting printed right now. Like. I
0: just don't like the, the whole about? idea of trying to compare and rank everything all the time. Why can't we just let football be a bit more organic? And go, wow, that's a great goal. I've already seen people say, yeah, it's not as good as Elise's. What? Marley said they're, that they're both great goals I only said that and they're both totally different was. but they are both totally different aren't they Yeah, you can't. they're both great individual goals but they're both totally different it's not even worth trying to compare the two you can't they're just two excellent goals why can't we just go that one's a great goal that one's a great goal instead of trying to put them in
2: boxes and figure out which one's better because that's what we've got to do that for the Puskas Award haven't we now <laughs> we've got to do it It's post- and, the, and for goal of the season and for even goal of the month and for even goal of the weekend because there was two, you know, ridiculous goals. Um, so it's, it's just the human nature of it, isn't it? And the social media age as well, which enhances everything and and amplifies everything. Yeah, There's, absolutely. Yeah. Well, anyway, know. I've got that off my chest
0: now. So that was my getting the C, not the goal itself, just the need to constantly compare. and Ridiculous goal. Though. Just for argument's sake, which one was better, Rooney's or actually... <laughs> I'd say Rooney's if I had to choose because of the situation of the game. It was a Manchester derby, two teams going for the title has to be that this is a game against Everton who are on four points in the Premier League relegation zone yes it was an excellent atmosphere at Goodison people will remember Garnacho's goal the same way they remember Paitim Kasami's goal for Fulham yeah. Do you remember who it was against? I don't. I just Christmas. remember it was an unbelievable goal. Oh, Marley sorry, remembers I've Crystal Pat- Pat- so, yeah, I've watched,
2: watched Pat- the goal Pat- that many times. I,
0: I'm so disappointed in Damian Delaney's uh, but defending I think for it. I guarantee it, you, you, know? you even the neutral football fan remembers Rooney's overhead kick because it was in a derby against Manchester City. That's why I think you need to take the game state into consideration. Although I don't really care.
2: They're both great goals. In isolation, they're both unbelievable goals. I think Garnachos is the first moment and it might you know it might be the only moment of his career where we remember like when people think back in 10 15 years time when Ganacho retires they'll still remember i think that goal against Everton because it was just it was that good it's either a bookmark in a great career or it becomes like Pajtim kasami who you know if you say that name you think of that goal you know yeah. you can't name a single other performance by Pajtim <laughs> kasami <laughs> and and so if true. you do then you are related to him because that's it <laughs> Like, if I'm Paj Tim Kazami, when I meet someone new, I'm like, hey, mate, what's your name? I'm Paj Tim. See, this goal <laughs> scored against Crystal <Christopher laughs> Palace 14 years ago. Like, absolutely, I'm, I'm doing that for the rest of my life. And guy would, would have just re- watched that goal and repeat ever since. You know, he's got a newborn kid at home. He's probably showed it, that newborn kid, at bloody 14 times, even though the kid can't see past 12 He inches. was watching it on his phone on the way off the pitch. Oh, 100%. <laughs> After the game. And, and so would I, yeah. The yeah. only thing, I mean, I'm never a fan of copying other people's celebrations. I think I've mentioned it on the podcast before. I don't like, like why go and do this. You, uh, you you're not Ronaldo. Just oh, he's,
0: come, he's up, with come kid, up with an 18 year old. Come up with yeah, your own thing, though.
2: Come on, Marley. Yeah, but trademark your own thing, and then people trademark will be doing the, the guy, Ronaldo didn't do to the ZU celebration,
0: celebration until he was about 28. Huh? Ronaldo didn't do the Sioux celebration until he was well into his 20s. Yeah, I know, but he... But the he... kid's 19, let him have a bit what, of what, fun, what man. Would your,
1: what would your celebration be? It would be Shearer a hand she... in the air, which well, you well, can't it, copyright, because it's, it's the most boring, boring celebration <laughs> <laughs> in Give the history chunk. of
2: the Premier League. Well, I, I buried a Sunday league, I had it a few weeks ago, and I did the Shearer, and that yeah, was, get that was it. Get your own material. <laughs>
0: copyright your own celebration, man. No, I'm not a brand, I'm crap. Right, that's it. Enough about Garnacho's goal for now. I'm sure we'll talk about Manchester United versus Everton a bit later on in the podcast. Over to you, Joel. What are you throwing in the sea? What's annoyed you over the weekend?
1: It was the narrative around Trent Alexander-Arnold and Doku at the weekend. If anyone watched the game, Jeremy Doku took on Trent Alexander-Arnold seven times, which is the most the defender's been taken on successfully this season. Which just shows how absolutely killed he got on that right side. And then... Everyone almost on social media were pretty much leaping to the defence of Trent Alexander Arnold because don't get me wrong, he scored a really good goal. Absolutely loved his celebration, by the way, right in front of the city oh, fans and literally just held the shush. That. Why? That is the best Hausery <laughs> goal in terms of Oh, you cannot
2: beat that. I only didn't like it because it might it might I don't know what you're about to say in relation, but it might relate to your point that you're about to say of I don't like how he's he's been skinned seven times and then he's he scores a goal and he's like shh. It's like (laughs) I'm the man. (laughs) You've been murdered in this game. Like Doku, obviously Doku beats anyone. He could he could dribble past you three times in a phone box. Like he will just kill you. He didn't score or assist, Jeremy Doku. No, but it was fun to watch. Every time you know he's one of them on your your edgey. Is that not the point though? This is
0: a statistic in isolation that Trent Alexander Arnold was dribbled past that many times. It doesn't matter if Doku dribbles past him if his next touch is the ball out of play for a throw.
1: Ah, but he was quite. Well, if if everyone was. watched the game, he absolutely killed him. And yeah. to be honest, it's not his fault that no one could convert his crosses or his passes. He was he was really being so productive on that left side, and that's why it was quite strange to see how they were almost dismissing the fact that Doku was amazing during that game. And Trent Alexander Arnold was actually up until that goal really average until you know he did a beautiful finish um, to get Liverpool back in the game, but. Honestly, I this is this is part of my point which I made last week in terms of creativity. Docu's an old school winger where he goes for he'll go body for body against the right back. He wants to take them on and beat them. How many left wingers or right wingers do you see these days who actually attempt to do that? They're almost reverting to passing it back and doing a one-two and trying to get around their Well, uh, no, Man City back. are probably the worst team for that. Like yeah. getting it out wide and they don't they don't swing it in and
2: then they bought a player who just wants it put in the box. Um, and then they probably needed to sign a winger that was going to do that, which is, which is Doku. It's because they like probably have seen though. that since Sane, yeah, It's
1: Mara's though, isn't it? Mariz was the guy who added a bit of unpredictability to their play.
2: All right. So
0: what's your point then, Joel? You want to throw in the sea this love in for Trent Alexander Arnold because Gary Neville yeah. gave him man of the match, I think, and then went on to say that he could be one of the best right backs ever.
1: Yeah, this doesn't take what? away. Did he? Yeah, yeah. Jesus. Everyone's, I don't, honestly, it's one of those bandwagon sayings now. He said he could be, he didn't say he is, yeah. he said he could be. He has the potential. Don't get me wrong, he's probably one of the best passers I've seen since the likes of Beckham and Gerrard. That's how good he is, and Kevin mm-hmm. De Bruyne, he's on that level, 100%. But he is judged as a right-back, and when you're getting taken on seven times in a game... Surely that's a failure, successfully taken. Yeah, but on. right back's but, changed,
2: doesn't it? The position's he, not the same as it used to be. I'm, I'm kind of on both sides of this argument of like, yeah, he got skinned all them times, but then again, he did come up with the the game changing point winning thing. So, yeah, there's it. But the whole thing with Trent is that we we do focus a lot on his strengths and we don't focus so much on his weaknesses. They don't get though, as
1: exposed as much in under a Klopp side, though.
2: Not really, but if you say it to a Liverpool fan, they'll, they'll bloody fight you. Like you know, <laughs> it's like it, he's a great player. He's great, but he of can't. Ball. He's not. He's not. A, he's not a defender, but he's great with the ball at his feet. And they're like, no, he's the best right back ever. The right back's in an attacking position now in the modern game, and all this. And it's like, it's like, yeah, but look at Kieran Trippier's stats this season. I think he's got eight assists.
1: But he's awesome defensively, and he's very good
2: defensively. Yeah, exactly. Like.
0: Well, that's why Ashley Cole was so good as well, yeah. Because exactly. he used to provide going forward. Best we, back we, England have ever had. Yeah, we didn't really see that back then, did we? Yeah. In terms of the fullback position, when you think of that Chelsea team and you have someone like Paolo Ferreira on the other side, so I don't think I ever saw him get past the halfway line, let alone <laughs> get into the box and score goals. So yeah, I think that it's a valid point. But Trent Alexander Arnold is someone who's going to split opinion because. He splits opinion even for the national team coach.
1: That's why I think Walker's just head and shoulders better than Trent though. And people might crucify me for that. But when you need, let's say you're in an international game and you've got someone like Mbappe on the left wing, Kyle Walker's the guy that's going to get you out of trouble. And then you're going to judge him on being a right back defensively. Mm. Sometimes every game you can't be the right back. Who's almost operating as a centre mid yeah. or a, a right wing. I that's agree with I, you against someone like
0: PSG or someone like Mbappe, I'd sooner have Walker. Yeah, exactly.
1: 100%. But, but when you're the team that's absolutely attacking, Trent's yeah. perfect. isn't it? So it depends what kind of team you want, I guess.
0: Talking of players that split opinion. I know that you're getting the C revolves
2: around that as well, Marley. So over to you, mate. It does. Um, it revolves around Aaron Ramsdale. <laughs> um, because we all knew he was getting a game this weekend because of the uh, the loan of David Raya from Brentford to Arsenal and obviously they're playing each other this weekend. Uh, Ramsdale gets in, has f- what I would describe as a shaky performance. Probably proves why Arteta wants Raya as number one. I mean, the throw, which, you know, he, I think he changed his mind halfway through. He was going to throw it and then he thought, no, I'll scoop this back in and he let it go and it bounced over, luckily, in Bumo's head um the second one where he passed it dude did he pass it straight to Mbumo Mm. as well like I mean he must be seeing Mbumo in his dreams at night his (laughs) his nightmares um you know passed it to him was was pretty poor um and then at at the end of the game you know he gets uh he gets mobbed by the Arsenal players and I'm not the celebration police or anything like that I don't like pointing this stuff out but Like he's not had a good game, and you all know he's getting dropped next week. And it's like, yeah, Aaron, you know, you've done really well. And but the reaction on social media was was just unbelievable. Like the the memes that were coming out was hilarious. Of the I think BT Sport or sorry TNT Sports now put a um a clip out of everybody mobbing him um after the game, and people were retweeting it with like. This is literally what my what my co-workers done for me when they knew I was getting fired, <laughs> um, and another one said, "This is the human equivalent of taking your dog out for the best day of his life the day before you're getting put down." <laughs> <For God's sake. laughs> and I just thought, this is this is why I love football—the reaction to silly things like that from other fans. It's all ingest. It's all it's light of course it is, but it is it's just hilarious, and I just thought it's it's typical Arsenal. it. it this Arsenal team, really easy to like, but somehow they've got this dislikeability now, and it's it's things like that that kind of wind up other uh, other fans, and it's just uh, it's quite funny. But the overreaction to Ramsdale was uh, was was funny. In all seriousness, though, no, he ain't playing
1: another game until January. Do you not think that those mistakes are always going to be likely because this is his first game in ten games, and yeah, obviously he's known 100%. to be shaky when he has like a whole range of games consecutively played yeah but then do you not know, think that's Arteta's fault for the fact that he's literally just bringing him in taking him out doesn't get a long range of games
2: yeah I think I think that's pretty much right I think if you if you say to him you're going to play 50% of the games and so and so's David until at least January when one of you can decide you know that you're not happy or whatever that's that's fine but you know, bringing him in for the Brentford match, he'll have overthought that Brentford match. Yeah. And he's had so many times, I can't make a mistake here. And it, he, I don't think he deals with pressure very well. He's very extroverted. He's he said that, um, you know, he struggles to concentrate for for 90 minutes. I don't I don't know whether he's got ADHD. I think he, he might, mention, might have mentioned it in an interview or something recently. But he struggles to have that concentration. And when you're putting him in a high-pressure situation... Which Brentford, you know, Brentford away isn't a high pressure situation unless you make it a high pressure situation by playing David Ryer in the other ten games before it. And then only putting Ramsdale in when you have to, like because he's on loan and, you know, Raya's ineligible to play. So mm. making that situation is something that's purely came from Arteta's um making. So what are we saying then is he still Aaron Hologramsdale? Where's well, that if you if have you stole that we made that up. No, I've stolen that. I was you think say, I'm
0: cringy enough to make way that. Way beyond up? you that way. But,
1: <laughs>
2: Jesus. He's a good goalie, but he needs I think he needs 100% confidence from someone and I, I think Arteta it wasn't easy it wasn't hard for him to give him that 100% confidence by just letting him be number 1. He was good last season, he was very good. At one point everyone was saying is he better than Pickford for England? Cuz he can kick and he can he can make amazing saves. Yes, he's prone to an error, but so is Pickford. And then this this season out uh, this summer, sorry, out of the blue, we're signing Raya, and it was like poof, this guy's crushed by the the lack of confidence in him. Really, so I've got no doubt he's a good goalie, but he needs to find a club that loves him as much as as he needs at this point in his career I think
0: All right, well that's what Marley's throwing into the sea. Next up on Football Social Daily we will discuss some of the big results over the weekend in the Premier League including Liverpool's 1-1 draw with Manchester City at the Etihad Aston Villa now within touching distance of the top of the table as Spurs title challenge falters already and Everton they wanted a hostile atmosphere they wanted a response got beat 3-0. We'll talk about it next after this Welcome back. This is Football Social Daily, an award-winning Premier League podcast. Now, a few seasons ago, the biggest game in the calendar was no doubt Manchester City against Liverpool. Two sides who were competing neck and neck for the title. And we said last week on this show that it didn't quite feel that way heading into this weekend's game. Now, with it being a 1-1 draw, Joel, are we now in a position where, from what we saw off the back of the weekend's match between the two of them, that these two will be? The front runners this season. What do you think?
1: City 100 will be there, of course, and Liverpool as well. To be honest, watching the game, it was a very, very cagey game. They were cancelling each other out for good periods. It periods of it where Liverpool were very, very disciplined in the defensive areas, and I think we all knew it was going to be Liverpool basically transitioning constantly, trying to catch them on the counter attack with Mo Salah pretty much staying up as a lone striker half the time and just waiting for that counter. But City, honestly, they should have won it in, in the end when um, they had a, a, a ball pretty much cleared over the light, off the line. And it was just, again, just a very, very cagey event. But I think Liverpool have proven that although they will be there or thereabouts, they can be got at. And it's not the same kind of side as it was when they would go to City, let's say, four or five years ago. I think they're definitely missing, for example, Robertson on that left side to give them even more width and a bit more danger and productivity because... Simikas is just very, very much levels below. And we've seen with Jurgen Klopp's sides over the years, the amount of output that their fullbacks have given with Trent and Robertson. I mean, they get about 10 assists each a season, which just shows how vital they actually are to that Liverpool system. So I think this season might be a step too far for them. But again, you can't really rule them out because they've not put a foot wrong, to be honest. The only time they lost the game was that Spurs game with the... Very dodgy VAR call, so you can't really say that they've had many times where they've almost given up leads or gave up really easy points because it's not probably been the case. But yeah, it was a very, very, I have to say, very equal event, to be honest, at the weekend.
0: Talking of equals, very close at the top of the table and Arsenal fans will be absolutely raging if they weren't already from Marley's dissection section of Aaron Ramsdale against Brentford. But that victory over the Bees means that they rise to top of the table. They're on 30 points. City and Liverpool drawing means that Man City are on 29, Liverpool are on 28, and Villa, who will come on to soon, are in fourth, also on 28 points and two points off the top. But in terms of the title race, I still think Manchester City and Liverpool will be the top two. Arsenal are currently too clear of Liverpool after 13 games. They are top of the league by a point. Do you see it the same way as I do, Marley? Yeah, I see it
2: being a a bit of a free for all up there. Um I think City'll ultimately win the league, but I think it's gotta be a lot closer than, than last season and, and even the season before where, you know, last season it was City and Arsenal and the I think third was third and fourth and fifth and so on was were just way off. Um, like points wise. I don't know what the gap was in the end, but it seemed like ages. Um like a, a massive chasm of points but i think this year you know you've got villa playing in the conference league which they'll they'll walk through i think at least to the semi-final stage um so that will not really affect them as much as the europa league would affect brighton um and the champions league will affect newcastle until they either go out of it or we go into the europa league and you know when when does it restart february so you know there's there's a lot of teams in there with it, with a very real shout. I think Arsenal are, will be right up there. I think Liverpool massively need Andy Robertson back and then need to click a little bit more. Um, they're stuttering along a little bit. They're playing well at times, but still a couple of gears they can go into that we've seen in previous years. And, and even Man City, even though they're playing better at this point in the season than they usually are, they still need to show that... Um, you know that fourth and fifth gear where nobody can live with them, and they just wipe everyone off the face of the the pitch, basically. So um, I think it'll be wide open from in the sort of battle for the top six. I think there'll be a lot of chopping and changing and, and leapfrogging, and Spurs will be in there scrapping with no, with you know, with one game a week, and yeah. Arsenal being there trying to compete f- and prove they can do it. Well, that was my next question about Spurs. We'll talk about Villa in
0: the next section of the podcast because obviously Villa ended up winning that game between the two sides 2-1. But Tottenham now have lost three games in a row. And we know, Joel, they've got injuries and they've had red cards and suspensions and stuff. But they're now four points off the top after being unbeaten in 10 games. They've dropped down to fifth. They're not even in the Champions League spots.
1: Yeah, and I think it was almost a writing on the wall when they lost all those players against Chelsea where they had Madison, their top output player in midfield, gone until the new year. And then obviously they had Van Der Ven, one of their biggest and best defenders this season. He's out with a long-term hamstring injury. So when you're losing your vital players, basically the cogs in Angie's side, of course, is going to be difficult. I mean, you look at the centre-backs that started for Tottenham against Villa, which was Emerson and Ben Davis. How can you go from that to, and then they almost expect them to still get results? And I know everyone's almost on this big Ange loving of the fact that he likes to do it his way, whether, whether it was a high line against Chelsea or whether he wants to play a certain way. But when you're playing two backs, when you can, you still have the availability to play two centre-backs that you had on the bench. Sometimes it can go from confidence in your ability to almost naivety in your ability, where sometimes you actually just need to make minor changes to actually help your side a little bit better. But they are going to struggle. I mean, when you look at having to start Brian Gill at left wing instead of you know the plays the plays that we've been known to see in the Tottenham side over the last few months, of course the output is going to be way way less. So it's going to be a very very testing couple of weeks for Spurs. They got Manchester City next. Uh, and it's not at the Spurs Stadium. Otherwise, I would have said that's a guaranteed three points for Spurs (laughs) because City just cannot beat them there. But that's going to be a very, very testing game. I know City and Spurs have had some real, I'm going to say, classics at City, especially that Champions League game in the 2019 campaign. But honestly, they're going to fall off quickly. Three, Three defeats in a row is alarming. And unless Ange can almost rejig maybe a new system or a way to implement the side to make them defensively stronger is going to struggle in the next couple of weeks. Title race. Spurs were in it
0: and you always say, Marley, you're in it until you're out of it. Yep. Are they out of it? Mm,
2: not yet. Because I still think if you're going to get injuries and suspensions and stuff like that that they have now, uh, it's probably better early in the earlier in the season than later. Because um, they can still, you know, bounce back from from this quite quite easily really get the get your full strength team on and there's still an outfit which went was it 10 games 10 games unbeaten at the start of the season mm-hmm. so you know if if that Spurs can return with no games in the week to to distract you and all that sort of stuff um, yeah you can you can absolutely get back into it there's a hell of a long way to go yet at the end of the day you've lost three games in the league and everyone else has lost you know two or or one in Arsenal's case Wonder who that was too, by the way. Hey. Um but yeah, it's um they they can get back, it's no problem. Put that bell away. Leave the studio then. <laughs> <laughs> what was that for even a cliche? <laughs> What's this just the new c talking about Newcastle bell? Yeah, Newcastle. We need to get we need to buy a klaxon. <laughs> my There'll be wife, people it. outside gathering a...
0: thinking it's a fire alarm or something.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but now that Spurs can get back to it. The only thing I'm thinking of from from the weekend is what has Eric Dyer done to annoy? big Ange because Romero I know (laughs) Romero uh, sorry not Romero Emerson Royale at um, centre-back was as surprising a shout as I could can remember obviously Porro picks himself at right back Udogi at the other side and then Ben Davies has played centre-back so that's kind of fine Um, but yeah Emerson when Dyer's on the bench and he didn't even come on Eric Dyer. there was three well four senior pros you would say on the bench three of them came on um, I think it was Bentancourt Veliz and Skip Skip yeah and uh, the other one was Eric Dyer. just sat on his Todd. that's the price you pay for letting Nicholas Jackson score a hat-trick against you you just don't play when there's an injury crisis but I feel a bit sorry for him but hmm. then again he's, he probably knew the score in the summer and he's thought I'll stick around and even though he's told me I'm not going to play if I do get a chance to play I'll do alright and he's just not been not been trusted in that role. I mean, Emerson's a, an OK right-back going forward, but he's horrendous defensively at right-back. So he was never going to stop Ollie Watkins all, mm. all afternoon, who's hot, you know, as hot as anyone in the league now. So that's... that's good, that, don't, don't say that out of context. <laughs> Keep that in. Keep it in in <laughs> as a hot streak. <laughs> well, hey, I'm two uh, years married today. I'm not <laughs> not that way. fancy,
1: Marley.
0: Right, that's it for this section of Football Social Daily. Marley's off to go and buy his Ollie Watkins calendar 2024 (laughs) during the break. (laughs) And next we're going to be talking about Aston Villa and the fact they are two points off the top of the table. They are fourth in the Premier League. They're having an amazing season under Unai Emery. We'll also talk about the fact that Everton wanted a response. They got it from their supporters. They whipped up the atmosphere into a frenzy, only for Garnacho to burst the bubble after two minutes. Both of those games we'll dissect next on FSD. Aston Villa, two points off the top, Everton still in the bottom three. This is Football Social Daily. Welcome back to the podcast and those are the last two games we're going to discuss on today's show. Let's start with Villa. We've spoken about Spurs and how their title charge has seemingly faltered after three defeats in a row. But for Aston Villa, another victory and an away victory as well, because it's been at Villa Park where they've been at their best this season. They go up to fourth in the table on 28 points. That's level with Liverpool after 13 games. They have made a remarkable start, Joel.
1: Yeah, I'm really surprised, to be honest, especially at the start of the season, you know, where they had that big defeat against Newcastle. They got beat by Liverpool 3-0. And it was almost looking like they'll be there, but not in terms of overachieving like they're doing right now. But it just seems like in the games that you expect them to actually contend, for example, against the likes of Wolves, that kind of club, they're picking up points consistently. When you got a strike like Ollie Watkins, who at the moment is looking like a top-tier strike. He's up there now in terms of, let's say, you have Haaland as the golden standard. He's the one below now. He's almost that player who is almost getting into that mould of being a match winner, and we saw it against Spurs. I mean, the finish, He he, obviously he had that goal uh, ruled out for VAR, the header, that was the early warning sign for Spurs. But the finish was just so clinical that's what darwin nunes needs to be doing for liverpool i know when you looked at darwin nunes he got in the exact same position against city where he literally just needed the perfect touch to then go and finish ollie watkins needed one chance and he was straight in and that's to me the signs of a great striker in the making and you look at now obviously they've got a few difficult fixtures to come um they've got manchester city as well obviously Whenever you come up against City, it almost unravels your whole form. Well, that's it? that's
0: the thing, isn't it? They played Liverpool, got beat. They played Newcastle, got beat. If Villa are going to finish in the top four, picking up points against sides like Wolves or Fulham or whoever is obviously going to go a long way to helping them achieve that but they are going to need to compete in a couple of those games for instance Spurs at the weekend and that's what they did that will be the big question whether they could have gone into games against the likes of Manchester City and continue to pick up points well they've done so against Spurs so maybe that's a monkey off the back for them after losing quite handsomely to Newcastle and Liverpool and those other games that they had?
1: Yeah, potentially. Almost, I'm always looking at Villa now as I looked at West Ham last season, where they have that feel-good factor from being in Europe for the first time in a long time. They're up there in the Premier League with almost no pressure. They've got a manager and a squad which feels like it's together. You make... mean, I hope you mean the season before last because West Ham was absolutely <laughs> crap last season. <laughs> of course, the season where they were very, very good in that in that, um, yeah, in yeah, that yeah. campaign. No, I know what you But you're I saying. mean, it is the feel-good factor where they have these talisman everywhere in the way in which Declan Rice was for Aston, uh, sorry, for West Ham. And then, like I say, this season's almost just a free hit. If they can get, pick up results against the bigger sides, then so be it if they don't also so be it because the bigger sides this season are consistently taking points off each other Mm. and it's almost that competitive where you've got five or six teams which are very very good you're not seeing just City obliterate everyone you're not seeing Liverpool obliterate everyone everyone's taking points off each other which is why Villa find themselves in the top four
0: well Manchester United are six points off top spot in sixth only two points behind Spurs and this is a side who have been at times absolutely awful this season obviously they Beat Everton yesterday at Goodison Park by three goals to nil to pick up three points, which brings them closer to that top four conversation. But in terms of the form guide, Manchester United are now top of that form table. They Stop are the in form team in the Premier League at the moment, but it's not United who I want to talk about, Marley. It's Everton because we had a lot of chat on last week's podcasts about Everton, their 10 point deduction, which puts them back on four points and in the relegation zone. We had Mike from the Everton podcast, the Unholy Trinity, on the show saying that the atmosphere is going to be hostile at Goodison Park. It was fans are outside the ground. There was those red corrupt Premier League cards held all around the stadium. And it was lively in there. It always is at Goodison Park, to be fair. But when they've got their backs to the wall and they've got something to be angry about, which of course they do, they can generate an excellent atmosphere. But it unravelled for them,
2: ended in a 3-0 defeat. I mean, some might say it's typical Everton. I nearly said last week um, to Mike from the Unholy Trinity podcast, but he was in quite an angry place, so I didn't. <laughs> I, almost, I, said, I was so close to saying, is there not a team more likely in Premier League history to turn up when everything, you know, the fans are, you know, just on another level? Is there any team more likely to just lose dead easy? <laughs> because I just thought, like, it's... Everton have had nothing easy in the in the last, you know, seven, eight years. You know, they signed all these players from from top clubs and they properly went for it. And it all just came crumbling down. They signed Ancelotti, which was, you know, like a, a f- I don't know, like, you know, a fat bloke from a counter pulling Margot Robbie. Like, <laughs> it's, it's just unbelievable pull. And it it ended with him going back to Real Madrid. And it like, that ended in tears. And they, they've signed, you know, they've spent big on players. They've signed, you know, Cenk Tosum for 30 million. He will for 40 million. James Rodriguez came, Alan, Andre Gomez, Luca Dino, they all came, they all left for, for pennies really, compared to what they arrived for. And I just thought, there's no bigger, there won't be a surprise for me if, if they lose this game. And the fact that, you know, what was it, like 85 seconds in, or 95 seconds, Garnacho just pulls off this Ridiculous goal, and it's just that is, t- it is typical Everton yeah, because yeah. they've done nothing wrong. Like, how can you do anything wrong in ninety seconds? Dallo pulls a cross out, which was crap because it was six foot behind everyone, and Ganhotra Gan- Gan- just went, "Yep, yeah, there's only one way I can score from here. I can't, I can't head it because it's impossible to head a ball past, you know, a goalie from running backwards from sixteen yards out." And he pulls that off, and it's just it's Everton's luck right now that. That that happens, it pulls, just sucks the life out of the whole stadium in terms of they've they've like they've
0: gone to all that effort and yeah. arranged everything, and then for that to happen, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's like the
2: worst possible start. Yeah, and my favorite sort of,
0: and I don't think Everton played them. badly, by the
2: way, in the game. No, they hit no. the crossbar. They had some chances. They weren't, they weren't poor. Um, but my favorite angle of the goal is the one from behind the goal where you can just see Everton's fans' faces and all the jaws just drop. Like, oh my, are you kidding? They're all wearing the corrupt signs on the head. <laughs> and they're just like, oh no. And they're holding the sign up saying corrupt as the face just goes, oh no. How that, has how's that happened after 90 yeah, yeah. seconds? You know what I mean? But still, you see it at the end of the game though. This, this is where I criticise everything a little bit. But at the end of the game, yes, you're 3-0 down. But the the point of a protest, in my opinion, is to stay for the full 90 minutes and just almost treat the result as irrelevant. It doesn't matter because the bigger thing is getting your signs up, making every every little bit of the game horrible for the broadcasters because they can't film anything without seeing the, the signs that you'd printed off. Somebody's... It, the ink bills in Merseyside are through the bloody roof <laughs> right pink. now. It's pink!
1: There's a shortage of pink.
2: Pink ink is just, you know, it's like bloody liquid gold now. It's mental. <laughs> like, you can't get it for love, no money or anything. So, it's all in Merseyside. It's in the banks of the Mersey and everything. Mersey was running pink and all sorts. But, yeah, I mean, at the end of the game, you look round and there's just empty seats like, everywhere. Yeah. And it's, I'm going to cliche bell myself and- here because when we
0: had backs to the wall as a club and Portsmouth were about to go bust, we did exactly that. We'd stay after games for half an hour, 40 minutes. Yeah. We'd have stewards walking up the stands saying, come on, we want to go home. And we'd just stay there. There'd be no one in the ground, but we'd just you know, make as much noise as possible. We'd stand there and sing and stuff like that. And yes, it wasn't ever the full allocation of home or away fans that would stay behind after games. But we did as much as we could mm. to try and make our thoughts known. Did any of you two
2: watch the build-up to the game? Yeah, because I because I didn't. I, this is I, I'm not trying to tee you up into anything. But what was did they show much of the protest?
1: Yeah, it was mixed. It, they still gave coverage of it, but of course. It's not like they were naive to it and they were thinking nothing's going to happen of it, but they, were, it they couldn't ignore mixed, it, could yeah, they? It's, yeah, it's like the elephant in the room, isn't it? You can't ignore yeah. what's going on around the. But grouse. also, so Sky
0: Sports
2: are a big client of the Premier League. That's what I was. So it, a this, that was of another interest, thing I wanted it? to say to Mike last week. Like, do you think? You were saying, watch the build-up, watch the build-up, and you, you can only see the build-up on social media because they're proper people filming the game. You're not going to get Sky Sports saying, "Look at all these people with signs saying Premier League corrupt" when they've paid five billion or whatever it is for the for the rights you know that's self you know killing yourself really in it so it's yeah silly
0: and also sky obviously have control of the sound so exactly they want to turn it down they can if they want to turn it up they can so i do think it's something that maybe needs to be taken that's actually just reminded me of, of of
2: uh, of covid time with all the pumped in that overlaid be, sound. That was my was biggest get in the horrendous. sea of all time. That is. God, that was awful. My biggest get in the sea of all time. I yeah. hate that
0: fake sound. What's the point? Yeah. No one wants to hear that. Anyway, that is it for today's football social daily. Marley didn't get a chance to talk about Newcastle today.
2: I did want to point it out very quickly. So in last week, uh, and the and the no 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 no. <laughs> we said didn't we say last week? So Joel said there's no bangers scored in the Premier League anymore, and then we got Elise and Garnacho scoring goals. One thing we also said last week was why can't he, why does Thiago Silva look so good, and I said that it was because he doesn't play in a back four, and that they protect him by just letting him use his experience. What happened at the weekend? He played in a back four alongside Chelsea's worst centre back, Baddy Ashiel and he had, to, he had a game from hell Anthony Gordon running at him for 90 minutes he looked 48 never mind
0: 39 Well obviously he makes a mistake and Jolinton nips in and scores the goal he gets caught on the ball we see that from defenders all the time 39, 19, 29 doesn't matter how old you are mm. but the thing that made me laugh actually I actually burst out laughing on Match of the Day when I watched it was when he tried to do the little <laughs> rollover through the legs of whoever it was was it Gordon coming it towards Gordon, him yeah. and he, he fell over he stood on the ball fell over and <laughs> scooped it out of play bar him for a corner <laughs> it was absolutely hilarious i just wonder we've uh bigged him up and maybe father times just tapped him on the shoulder at the weekend and gone listen mate, it's
2: tactical it's all tactics man if you've got an old man you put him you put your young lads around him and you say right you need to protect that old man at all costs it's like
1: juve we know that chiellini in the middle right? just leave him in the middle and don't let anyone yeah. touch him yeah <laughs>
0: Right, that's it for Football Social Daily today. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back tomorrow with another episode. So hit subscribe or follow, and that way you will not miss when that episode is ready to download and listen to. But from Marley, Joel and I, that is it on FSD. Thanks for all of your support. Don't forget, you can get in touch with us via social media. All of the links to our channels are in the description, as is the link to the Telegram group where you can join the conversation after the podcast is done. So make sure you go and do that. But from us, that's it. We'll speak to you tomorrow. Bye for now. Football Social Daily is a Voice Work Sport production for the Sport Social Podcast Network.